Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. I'm the producer, Rachel Smith. This true first-person story was told in front of a live audience at the Fringe Club in Hong Kong. It was told in, a ju- in July for a show with the theme of wonder. And if you're a regular listener, this is where we veer off the script a bit. You see, on the night of the show, we had a technical problem that wasn't discovered until the show was over, which meant not all the stories were recorded. So what do we do? Tell the stories at another show? Let them linger in the minds of the listeners? Well, after talking to the storytellers themselves, we decided to record the stories again. So Xiao Mai and I met in Causeway Bay and recorded this story. And even though there's no audience reaction, the story still stands out. You have a story in you, too. If you want to learn how to tell your best story, sign up on our Hong Kong Stories Meetup page, like us on Facebook, or go to hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now, here's Xiao Mai. In the summer of 2012, I decide to go back to Vietnam for the first time. Now, I use the terms go back, but I wasn't born in Vietnam, and I've never set foot there either. My family left decades ago. In 1975, South Vietnam lost the war against the North, and Vietnam became communist. My family was from the South. They escaped, built a new life in Canada, and they never went back. Instead, they held on to stories and songs in order to keep the memory of their homeland alive, stories and songs which became my heritage. But as I was reaching my 20s, they could no longer feel an emptiness inside. It felt like I was missing something that I hadn't really lost. My family was worried. Why go back? You'll get hurt. You may get killed. They're not like us. They've been through things. You don't understand. It changes people. Just don't trust anyone. And I discarded those warnings. I wanted to reply, you don't understand either. I feel stuck under the shadow of your fears. I need to go back in order to move forward. As I step out of the airport terminal in Saigon, there's my aunt. We've never met before, which explains why she's holding a cardboard sign with my name. And she takes me into her arms, and she says, we've been waiting for you. And I fall in love with Vietnam, just like that. You know how it's like. You've been fantasizing about an imaginary lover for so long, and then you fall for someone. And all your senses work together so that you only see what makes that person wonderful. That's me on my first day in Saigon. My aunt takes me on a motorbike ride, and I'm subjugated. Of course, the traffic in Saigon is a nightmare, but amidst the chaos, I spot on a motorbike a young woman's hand gently pressing against the thigh of her lover as she leans against him. It's beautiful. Of course, the sewers stink, but right next to the stink is an old lady grilling lemongrass chicken. And in the distance, beyond all the persistent honking, I catch a few notes of that familiar song that mom sometimes sings while she's cooking. Then suddenly a man on a motorbike grabs my traveling purse, which is under my shirt, strapped to my body. I'm dragged into the middle of the street with ongoing traffic charging towards me. 
My aunt yanks me back. You have to be careful here. Look at the way you walk and, and, and talk in Vietnamese. Anyone can see that you're a stranger here. I've never liked being called a stranger. And coming from family, it stinks. In any case, we continue on our way to see seamstress because I want to have a traditional tunic, an ao yai, tailored. I'm still dazed, but I can hear the seamstress greeting me. Hello, my child. And there's nothing extraordinary about that. In Vietnamese, we address everyone like family members. But after just being called a stranger, being greeted with my child feels like an invitation to reconciliation. And while she takes my measurements, she's inquiring about my grandparents' health, my parents' job. It's like chatting with a distant auntie. And I surrender to loving Vietnam again. But when I come to pick up my ao yai, it doesn't fit. I can't slip it past my shoulders. So I take a business-like tone, and I ask auntie to return my deposit. She refuses. My child, you are Vietnamese too. Have sympathy for auntie. How can she manipulate me like this and still call me my child with a straight face? Oh, my family is right. You may get killed, don't trust anyone. Those were not exaggerations. Oh, how naive I've been. Just because I wanted so much to belong. Well, get over it. I don't want to stay here for another two months. I want to go back to Canada. And someone up there must have heard my wish because I received news then that my grandfather is in a coma after a stroke. And I call my mom. Mom, I'm going home to be with Grandpa. And she says, but Grandpa would have wished to be where you are. Stay for him. I hang up and I pace and pace. Grandpa wouldn't like it here. Things have changed. And what would Grandpa do if he were here anyway? He would tell me a story, wouldn't he? So I decide to go take photographs of all the places Grandpa mentioned in his stories and send them back to Canada. Maybe the power of memories can call him back. But the only problem now is I need the services of a motorbiker. And that means haggling. I have negotiated the price of every ride since my arrival, and it is becoming exhausting, especially when at the end of the day, I always end up paying more than what locals would. In all my days in Saigon, only one motorbiker did not overcharge me. So I decide to seek him out in the city. And sure enough, there he is, waiting at a busy intersection for clients. He's squatting, despite his 70 years or so. I hesitate a moment before approaching him. I want to test his honesty first. I know the correct price to go to a nearby church, 30,000 dong. That's about $1.50 US. Let's see what's his first offer. I squat down beside him. How much is it to go to the church? That church? 30,000. But you know, it's pretty close. You could just walk there. And I break into a smile. His name is Lam. 
I call him Grandpa Lam, and he promises to come pick me up, same place, same time, the next day for my pictures. Our first stop is the hospital where my grandfather worked as a director more than 40 years ago. Grandpa Lam is surprised. So your grandfather was the director of the biggest, most modern hospital of his time? I was so proud. Yes. And before that, he was a surgeon for the South Vietnamese Army. He was posted near the front, where he was often the first doctor to do the triage of wounded civilians and soldiers. But you know, after the communists won the war, they accused him of collaborating with the CIA. And he disappeared into a secret prison. And he was interrogated for months. Grandpa Lam is silent for a moment. Then it must have been in the building right there. My eyes flash from the building back to him. Wait a minute. How do you know that? He didn't answer. And I didn't take a picture. From one stop to the next, I chat freely about my family's past, but I learn nothing about his. He talks about the present, though, how he's trying to save for his daughter's university, but oh, the competition between motorbikers and oh, the hike in gasoline price, it's not helping him. And then he becomes curious about my family's life in Canada, and it's my turn to become evasive. Grandpa never talked much about his years in Canada. I know he cleaned hotel rooms, but it was never part of his stories. At the end of the day, I dismount from the bike and I ask him, so how much do I owe you? And he counts out loud to make sure that I follow his calculations and says, 90,000. That's less than five US dollars. How is he ever going to save for his daughter's university? I want to give him a big tip. I can easily triple the amount he's asking for, but he would be offended. I know. And he reads my confusion and chuckles. My child, just remember one word for me. Din, trustworthiness. Without din, your gains wouldn't be worth anything. And I stare at this man who holds on so stubbornly to din when it could have been so tempting to do otherwise. And I wonder what his true gains from me are. Because I recognized then that what I gained from him, I can't pay him back in cash. He's given me the confidence to grow beyond my family's fear of their own homeland and of the people they left behind as they fled from home. I didn't give him a tip. I gave him a hug. Thank you, Grandpa. That was Xiao Mai, who originally told that story in July for a show with the theme of wonder. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Did you know we host storytelling workshops every week in Hong Kong through meetup.com? And best of all, they're free. In our workshops, we show you how you can tell your best story. If you think you might want to try storytelling, go to hongkongstories.com to find out more. To listen to our weekly podcast, Find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Everyone has a story to tell.